0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. This morning we have a, a guest preacher like we did last week, I just want to say that I'm grateful that we have men in our congregation like Logan who preached last week and like Brian Idy, who will be preaching today. If you don't know Brian, Brian's a good friend of mine. He's a Bible teacher here at a Christian school in town and he's one of our ruling elders at Faith Church. He's going to be bringing the Word of God this morning for us. And like you, I need to sit under the preaching of God's Word. So I'm grateful to have the opportunity to do so this morning with you as Brian brings God's Word for us is a great thing to be here this morning. It's always good when you walk up and you realize your shoe's untied. I, you can't take me anywhere, all right? Um, I, I'll try not to uh, stumble over that, but um, anyway, um, well, I want to just say a shout-out. Uh, just the, the providence of God, right? And in a moment, I will tie that shoe. It'll drive me nuts. But, but I want to I give a shout-out to the providence of God. The songs, each of the songs that were sung this morning, they had no idea what I was going to preach on. They fit like a glove, both the text and the message. Isn't that just like God? I, I'm, I'm already stoked about, hey, what, what God wants to do here. So uh, let's go ahead and, and we're going we're gonna to take a moment. We'll rise for the reading of God's word. If you don't have a, a copy uh, of the Bible, hey, we want to invite you to pick one up today you can either uh, get one now at the back of the uh, at the back of the sanctuary or you can get one on your way out uh, but we really cherish the word of god and we stand for the reading of the word of god because we believe these are his words we believe they have the divine authority and the power to transform us from the inside out, and our standing is just uh, one way of recognizing that. So let's go ahead. We're going to turn, if you have your Bible or your phone app here, we're going to take a look uh, at Isaiah 55. I think I got to turn it on first. There we go. All right, Isaiah 55, and we're going to look at for the first two verses. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat come buy wine and milk without money and without price why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food this is the word of the lord thanks be to god man you may be seated well I want to take just a second here, and and I want want to ask do we have any baseball fans here this morning? Anybody like baseball? You got a few. Okay, can anybody identify yourself in my category, fair weather baseball fan? We got a few more of those? Listen, I've got a pretty stellar fair weather baseball fan story, right? And if I rewind, it's it's a number of years ago, the, the year 1991 the venue, the World Series. It was the Twins, Minnesota Twins, facing the you know, uh, Atlanta Braves. Oh my, what a series. It went to seven games. It was decided in the 10th inning of the seventh game by a score of one nothing, pitcher's duel. Each of the teams won every game at their home stadium. Man, somehow I, had the privilege of winning a lottery drawing that made me eligible to buy postseason tickets throughout the series including the world series game at a reasonable price Like, how could I pass that opportunity up, even though I'm not a diehard baseball fan? That just seemed too good to be true. And I remember, to be honest with you, I don't remember which game I sat at, because I sold the rest of the tickets, but uh, here I am at one of those games. It was a victory. I do recall enjoying it. I do recall uh, thinking, this is great. But I also, oddly enough, uh, I think, I'm sitting at the game, and I'm thinking, somehow, it's not quite as amazing as I thought it might be. I mean, we did win, and I did enjoy it, but I left that evening thinking, huh, I've been to a World Series game, and I kind of thought, like, there would be something more defining about that, but, you know, at the end of it all, I got up for, you know, my activities the next day, uh, put my pants on one leg at a time, and life really wasn't that much different. (laughs) And and I wonder, I mean, some of you are saying, of course not, it's a baseball game. Come on, how?" no, Uh, but but I wonder, seriously, on a serious note, I wonder if some of the athletes who participated and even were, you know, Don champions for the event, I wonder if they feel some of that let down. You know you gotta think they do. Uh, years ago, it was, you just you know won the Super Bowl. Where are you going now? I'm oh, going to Disney World. You know, I'm sorry, Disney World is interesting, it's fun, but even it is not enough i mean <laughs> there's got to be something more right i mean uh what is it i mean why is it that we have this insatiable drive within us right i mean we all do uh we, we've got it you know uh, many of the things that we pursue and, and they they can be good things uh, accomplishments at work and career uh, attaining money uh getting that house Uh, You know, that new car and and the purchase that, that we've been anticipating for so long, maybe it's relationships, any number of things that are good. But in the end, hey, we're always looking for the next thing, aren't we? It seems like chasing good things can be a lot like chasing the wind in terms of establishing our happiness. And I know we're on an equal playing field in this. I don't, I don't question that this morning. You and I are all prone to look to things to bring us happiness. It's just, a, it's just a true statement. But again, I ask you, why is it that we feel like there ought to be something more when that next hurdle, that next accomplishment, that next desire given to us doesn't really deliver and pay out? Well, I think C.S. Lewis nailed it. I know we've heard uh, this quote before, but it is so to the point, right? C.S. Lewis says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation for this is that I was made for another world. That is so to the point. Augustine says something very similar. He says, oh God, you made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. I don't want to trivialize anything, but could it be that so much of the unrest that we have in our culture, so much of the angst and even the rage, could it be that in large part, we are placing our hopes and our expectations for fulfillment and satisfaction on things that can never deliver? I want us to stop and think that through for a minute. It's certainly not the only explanation, but I do think it's significant. You know, neither government nor human ingenuity have the power to deliver us happiness. It's like chasing the wind, but God can do it. And that's what I really want us to consider this morning as we look to it, Uh, one of our I guess our overarching statement for today that to kind of wrap it all up would be to say that God's glory and our happiness, they go hand in hand. God's glory and our happiness go hand in hand. And we're gonna, we're gonna take a look. We're gonna mine some of this uh, principle from Isaiah 55. And, and I want to, I'll make a defense for this. And as we go, I wanna keep that in mind that God's glory on one hand... And our happiness on the other, they actually they belong together, all right? And so first, I want us to take a look at, at those first couple of verses from Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. And again, what we're going to see here is that God is extending through the prophet an invitation to have our deepest longings satisfied now we may need to back up a second. Uh, Just as a a quick recap, Isaiah, he's a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah, the people of God at the time of Isaiah's prophetic ministry. uh, They've really gone wayward. They've really forsaken the ways of the Lord. They've turned to their own means for looking to satisfaction, right? And Isaiah has, in large part, not as much of a future-telling ministry as a shepherding the people back to the tried and true ways of the Lord. But make no mistake about it, there are plenty of future-telling prophecies. The, the bulk of those really foreshadow the coming Messiah. And we're going to see that all over uh, Isaiah 55. That's just a little bit about Isaiah. Uh, as we think about Isaiah with our deepest longings being satisfied... One of the things that we want to just see, and I'll put the verse back up here, um, this invitation to come to the waters, there's, a, there's an invitation to have thirst satisfied. And we've got to put on a mindset of thinking even uh, though we know today that water is essential to life. How much more vivid that uh, understanding would be if we were in an arid desert climate, right? Here the invitation is come and find that which will sustain, that which will give life. But you know, it's it's rather interesting. The invitation isn't just a bare bones, uh, I will sustain you kind of an invitation. It goes beyond that. The invitation to come, to buy And to eat, what are we eating? Well, we'll see that in a minute. But the the, the buying of milk and wine, there's something more than just the bare bones sustenance here. There's a richness that is being offered. Come, enjoy abundantly what God has. So it isn't just survival. It's flourishing. It's it's deep satisfaction, right? And I think that's really encapsulated at the end of, you know, verse 2. Delight yourselves. Enrich food. Listen, there's not, not many of us in this room that don't get excited thinking about our favorite food. Maybe it's a restaurant you like to go to. Maybe it's a favorite dish you make at home. I don't know what it is, but you know, some, some meals can just get you excited and your mouth watering even before you sit down, even before it's you know cooked up and served up, right? You, you just get excited thinking about it. This, this is the sort of invitation that God is asking us to come to. It, it's not something that is laborious. It's not something that is, oh, we gotta do this. No, it's delectable. Come, I've got good things. That's the heart of God here. And, and Isaiah wants us to, to recognize that. So in this, you know, uh, what we're really being invited to is to find our satisfaction in our creator. And there are many verses. I'm going to give you one verse that kind of goes along with this. Uh, that verse, I guess I don't have it up there, but that verse is that Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now, I just invite you to think that through. In God's presence, there is fullness of joy. I think so often it is a temptation for us to assume the, the exact opposite. But in his presence, there is a flourishing and there is a joy, there is a delight beyond what we can even begin to recognize. And we we get glimmers of that from this passage that God isn't just sitting, simply wanting us to get by in his presence. He's wanting us to be delighted in his presence. Three times in the verse, he commands us to come and to receive his blessings. As we mentioned, he puts those in terms that we can understand. And you know, really, I think author and theologian John Piper has just a good way of summarizing this very idea that, that God is glorified, most glorified in fact, when we are most satisfied in Him. So really this gets down to part of our worshipful enjoyment of God is just to delight in Him and He, we will find, is most delightful. So. Before we move on with a little more of the invitation, i got to ask, why is it, if He is so delightful, if in His presence there is truly joy, why do we struggle so hard to believe that? You know, just as well as I do, sometimes we hear, and let's be honest, sometimes we even feel, God wants to take my joy away. Some people think of God as a killjoy. These people couldn't be further from the truth. Why do we struggle to believe that God will provide us ultimate satisfaction? Let me offer briefly just three reasons, right? I think the first is obvious. It it involves delayed gratification. None of us like to wait. Uh, uh, If we're speaking of a meal theme, I I don't like to wait for the meal. Uh, The longer we have to wait, the more tempted I am to maybe snack on something else. And before we know it, maybe our appetite for the main meal is gone, right? I think many people live life with that very mentality, that they're just going to enjoy what's right there before them. And lo and behold, they find their appetite for the things of God is suddenly absent. I'll get by without it. I I don't really need that. I'll, I'll keep, you know, I'll have some... Of some chips, some spiritual chips, right? <laughs> well, whatever, whatever it is, uh, your hors d'oeuvres—it doesn't matter. You, you get the idea. I'll just snack a little. Uh, you know, it's it's here, it's immediate. Well, secondly, I think another reason where we struggle to really believe that God will sustain—not uh, only sustain, but to satisfy us—is that we believe that something is free. That's free can't really be that amazing. You know, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a story in the Old Testament, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, a guy named Naaman who had leprosy. And the prophet Elisha encouraged Naaman to go into the river to wash himself seven times and he would be cured of that leprosy. He scoffed and he disdained that very counsel. It, it, took, it took a working of a, a pleading of his servant to you know, call him, hey, you know, I, I know it doesn't sound impressive, but just do it, do what the prophet says. But, but you see, something so seemingly easy or something so seemingly you know, free is, is sometimes hard to be impressed with. Well, it offends our sensibilities. It can't possibly be free. Well, uh, to that point, truly, we would have to acknowledge the invitation that Isaiah is talking about here is not actually free to everybody, it's free to you and I, and every other human being. But it costs the host very dearly. Uh, the, The payment for this invitation involved God the Son laying down his very life as a cancellation of our sins, as, a, as an offering acceptable and pleasing to the Father, even though the Son was every bit the equal of the Father. You see, this is, this is a sacrifice of an infinite cost. So it's not exactly true to say that it didn't cost anything. It's just free to us. And yet, on the other side of that being free, you've got more of a pharisaical attitude we can sometimes want to smuggle in our own form of payment. Uh, We get a little bit offended that we're not maybe seen as having the means to provide for ourselves. And truly scripture would make a very clear recognition that you and I are spiritually bankrupt. We've got no money to offer and yet here, The Messiah is offering us an invitation of priceless worth and giving it to us for free it does take humility though to recognize that we can't buy that and to receive that freely well the final thing i think and let's just be honest i think a lot of us i would include myself struggle here we oftentimes find that we believe that sin will satisfy us more than god and, uh, you know, we've just been coming out of uh, the, the discussions here over the last few weeks talking about the, the, the Thomas's, Thomas Brooks's 12 uh, devices the devil uses. Uh, it's spot on, right? The, 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 the lure of sin, the, the pain is hidden. The hook isn't exposed, right? Sin is made to look exciting and enticing. And holiness sure can seem boring, right? At the, at the heart of all of this, we're talking about the temptation that all of us, Christian and non-Christian alike, grapple with day in and day out. And that temptation is one of idolatry. Oh, I know. I know. We're all so prone to say, come on, I don't, I don't bow to statues. But just, let's, let's just keep in mind, Romans 1 spells it out so clearly, idolatry is any instance of us putting something in this created world and elevating it to a place that only God can deliver on, right? So when we look to other things to have our, our satisfactions met, and this is actually a form of idolatry. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about when we enjoy the things that the Creator has given. I'm saying when we elevate that, to a place that they can't possibly deliver on, a place reserved for God alone. That's where uh, it becomes a a fact of of idolatry. Romans one says it this way, that there's the the inclination for us to exchange the truth about God for a lie, to serve the creation rather than the creator. Maybe it helps you, I didn't come up with this statement, but I think it, it helps me. It is said that when a good thing becomes a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. And I just, I I think so often that's our stumbling block. We fail to believe that God will satisfy the deepest of our desires and longings. We look to it somewhere else. And in the end, hey, we're chasing the wind. Remember, God's glory and our happiness, they go hand in hand. Well, let's take a look at a second facet of this invitation, because there's more. I feel like we've got a commercial going here, but wait, there's more. Uh, But yeah, uh, the second thing, the the part of this invitation is really going to include an invitation for us to partake, to be subjects in His eternal kingdom. And we'll try to go much quicker through this part, but I, I gotta say this, right here we got, uh, the, the, the next couple of verses will, will, will remind us uh, that where do we incline our ear? To come to him here that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And it goes on to speak of, of really what would be summed up. As the Davidic covenant. You may remember or you may not remember this, all right, if you weren't here. I, last July, I preached through a series on the covenants, uh, some of the major covenants of the Old Testament. And one of the things that we saw, and we'll see that same principle here today, is that the promise made in the Old Testament actually extends into the New Testament. And the roots, maybe we can say the roots of it are in the Old Testament, but the flourishing, the fullness of the fruit of that promise it explodes in the New Testament, all right? And so the the, the takeaway that I want us to grasp there is that our Bible is not a series of unrelated stories that somehow are just a hodgepodge thrown into a book. What we've got from start to finish in the scriptures is a seamless and beautifully wise Plan that comes to its full fruition in the New Testament and the fingerprints of that plan were all over the Old Testament. So please don't read your scriptures of the Old Testament as if they're throwaway, as if it's the new that matters and the old doesn't, they go together, okay? And in this, this Davidic covenant, what's the big idea here? Hey, we'll keep it simple. God's major, major promise to David was that through David's line, a forever king or an eternal king would take the throne that would basically lead and rule the entire world right and and in glorious uh glorious representation of everything that god wanted and and as 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 this is fully more fully elaborated what we see so clearly is that is that's the messiah himself that's jesus And Jesus will quote much from Isaiah in speaking of himself, the New Testament authors will quote back to Isaiah much as clear as day that this forever king, this eternal king who will someday rule the nations with a perfect righteousness is Jesus right and so we say okay uh why does this matter for me today well hey really what isaiah is saying not only will i offer you the fullness uh god uh, through isaiah is saying uh, not only will i offer you fullness of joy satisfaction but i'm going to include you in the same plans that i i um, unfolded through david you're going to be brought into this promise you will be my people and you know what to be his people in his kingdom That's joy. Uh, Similar to what the queen of Sheba spoke to Solomon when she said something to the effect of, how happy are your servants who you rule over? This is just a glimmering of of the wonder and the depth that will be uh, available to those who are, are subjects of this forever king, this eternal king. Your fullest joy is going to be possible not here in this earthly world our leaders they're going to let us down i don't care if you're republican or if you're democrat or if you're libertarian or some other party there is no utopian regime that is going to pull off a perfect society that would lead to your greatest and deepest joy but the davidic covenant promises a king who will bring just that, uh, a ceasing of corruption of every kind, perfect efficiency in, in, in ruling and leading, <laughs> uh, goodness, a concern for the poor as well as the, the weak, Uh, but yet the ability uh, for all to thrive. Uh, Where do we end? I I, I can't even spell out uh, just how perfect that will be. So to be wrapped up in that uh, is truly uh, a wonder. Well, let's take a look at a third point in this. Uh, We're going to look at another facet of the invitation. God is inviting us in this to a humble repentance and a deliverance from sin. All right, we're going to make the case for how this all fits together. Obviously, we're going to just recognize that to look to something other than God, uh, God is uh, in his presence fullness of joy. To look to something else is going to lead to a diminishing of that joy. And uh, that's why Isaiah says that we should seek the Lord while he may be found or to call upon him while he's near. uh, I'm, I'm gonna dare say I'll probably offend some people here in this statement, but it's not me really, it's the scripture. Can we look at verse 7? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous his thoughts. That's not speaking about some other guy. That's speaking about you. It's speaking about me. And say, hold everything. Oh, where do you, you know, figure calling me wicked, right? Uh, Let's just say this, again, this is the scripture's language, wickedness can at least be seen uh, in the element of swapping our greatest satisfaction in God for something in the created world. Right? Anytime that we put something else ahead of Him, that's not only sin, the Bible's calling that wickedness. And I know sometimes we reserve wicked, uh, that thought for maybe the most deplorable thing that we can imagine. But we've got to recognize that God takes this serious, right? We're so inclined, you and I, we're masters at this, we're inclined to dismiss, to downplay, to somehow diminish the severity of our temptations towards giving something else our full and undivided. God won't have anything to do with that. I know our temptation is to say something like, hey, it's simply a human desire, just, just human, right? It's not that bad. God knows my heart. If he if wanted me to do better here, he would have made me better at this, maybe. I, I don't know. Folks, it is so easy for us to justify a variety of things. Maybe it's that relationship you know isn't bringing glory to God, but you just can't seem to let it go. Maybe it's that emphasis that you're putting uh, uh, on the workplace and just reaching that next milestone when there are all sorts of other things that God wants you to also invest in. It's so easy to give our attention to the things that we're good at and the things that will bring the accolades and the titles, right? I don't know what it is for you. Listen, it can be a lot of things. But I'm just saying, to our weak, to our flimsy, to our self-deceptive statements that it's not so bad, God says, no. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So here's the question. Who needs to come into right alignment? Would you contend that God needs to come into alignment with our understanding. Isn't that what we're tempted to when we're justifying our sin? Folks, true happiness is going to be found when we bend our knee to God's word, even when it's inconvenient, even when it offends our sensibilities, even when we just don't want to. Your growth and your flourishing will come. My growth and my flourishing will come as I learn to forsake the things that would keep our arms full of anything but God, right? We, 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 need, we need to drop the things that would keep us from embracing uh, God in his ways. And so I just want to challenge you here. I know, I know these are not easy thoughts, but the truth is, they're a day-by-day battle for all of us. You want to flourish, you want to find happiness, it involves getting serious uh, in the battle against sin. Well, i are going to take a look at an, another facet of this here. Um, by the way, I, I should conclude with, with just saying as long as we're seeking to justify our sin, we're not going to grow. It's just a reality. We won't Our deepest longings won't be satisfied. Uh, We will be frustrated in that deepest level of who we are. To have our hearts, though, transformed in this way, it's going to require a miracle. Can Can I just be the first one to say, as I get a look at who I am at my core, sometimes it's just discouraging. Oh, there's many good things about me. But like an onion being peeled back, from time to time, I see another layer of who I am. I think, oh, That's not quite what I thought was under the hood there. You get a good look at that, it can be daunting and discouraging. But you know, here's the deal. As we kind of come to our fourth and final point, we've got a a miracle being promised. If it was just you and me left to our own strength and our own willpower to fight against our sin nature, man, that that would be just devastatingly depressing. Depressing. Uh, I don't know about you. I can just say honestly, uh, I'm a failure left to my own strength. I don't have any problem telling you that. My willpower will only take me so far. But what's being promised here in, in the balance of this invitation is nothing short of an amazing miracle, one that will rival uh, some of the greatest miracles of the scripture. So let's take a look at that. And that's this, that, that God wants us to delight in the, uh, that God wants us to delight in the power of his glory. And, and so uh, I think, I, yeah, I, my, my bad there. Uh, delight in the hope and the power of his glory. And as, as we think about that, let's, let's just wrap up with this idea. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, And do not return, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And I shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Folks, I I wanna invite us to think, right? These are God's words being spoken with a miraculous power that brings him glory oh that that just fires off a light bulb in my mind that that takes me back to genesis 1 the creation chapter and i think a good many of you uh, can complete the ideas of things like god said let there be light and there was light right his words carry the creative power to bring all things into being he speaks into the darkness light comes forth he speaks into the chaos and order abounds he speaks and all things that fill this earth come to being and, and not only uh you know uh, on a meager level in a, in an abundant and teeming and flourishing way he calls it all good let me just say that this connection i think is important Because the same words that spoke this world into existence, showing the might and the power and the glory of God, are coming to bear in the person that is willing to come and to accept this invitation. You come to the waters to be satisfied, and God promises a miracle in you. That miracle is one that speaks his words into the darkness of your life and brings light where there had previously been none. That that miracle is his powerful words being spoken in such a way that can bring chaos into order, in such a way that can bring so many parts of your life into flourishing and fruitfulness. You might sum that up as the fruits of the Spirit. His words can produce the fruits of the Spirit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These words that God speaks that he promises will go out from his mouth and not return empty, shall accomplish his purpose. These words are, are being spoken to all and over all who will embrace his invitation. You talk about fullness of joy. You talk about seeing the work and the glory of God. You see how I'm saying all along, God's glory and our truest happiness, they go hand in hand. And if if that wasn't enough, the the final verses of this make it clear that we've got also a promise of a lifting and a breaking of the curse that's upon the earth. You talk about setting the stage for a full delight that everything that is broken in this world uh, will be remedied, it will be made right, that we will be part of that kingdom, and that we will uh, have our full joy and and delight wrapped up in him, even as we're set free from our sin. This is is what Isaiah is promising us, right? God's glory and our happiness do indeed go hand in hand. Well, I want to just conclude by asking, hey, what do you do with all this? And really, it's I think rather simple. If you're a, a person that is not a follower of Christ, if you've never made that decision, listen, the invitation is there for you. Come, come to the waters and drink. My question for you is what are you waiting for? You're not going to get a better invitation. The things that you're pursuing, like all of us, will not satisfy you if they are not the Lord. His invitation is free. And listen, he's, he's inviting you with just a, a heart of compassion. Come. He wants to satisfy you. Would, you. would you yield to him this morning? That would be my plea to you. Find, find the, the true happiness that is only available in him. Well, uh, I want to I just, uh, as we finalize here, say that this isn't just for For the unbeliever, this isn't just for the the, the person that's not a follower of Christ. I think one of the biggest mistakes you and I make is to treat salvation and the call to being part of God's kingdom like a one-time decision and put it in our back pocket. But really that invitation for all of us to find our joy and our satisfaction in God, it's a daily invitation. And so my question is if you are a follower of Christ, Are you going to the waters daily? Uh, Are are you finding your joy and your satisfaction in Him? And and that's a question that I think we need to keep before us, not just once, not just today, but but really frequently, right? Uh, We wanna ask, are you tending your soul, right? As, As the whole language of this passage has been one about uh, a water that satisfies the thirst, uh, as a, as a, a meal that, that satisfies the stomach, right? Uh, we're not made to live <laughs> on bread alone, right? But every word that comes from God's mouth. And, and I just say, I think some of our our difficulty in thriving as a people of God come as we foolishly think that we will be better satisfied and served by the things of this world. Listen, that, that may... Call some of us to a, a, an act of repentance. Maybe there's something even in the course of this uh, discussion today that you've been saying, hey, you know what, I, I, need, to, I need to forsake this particular thing and, and pursue to really take to heart uh, satisfaction and joy in the Lord. I, I would just encourage you uh, to do business that way. And, and if, that's, if that's not you, if you, if you say, hey, I'm finding my joy in the Lord, then I want to just encourage you, continue Encourage. Let that be contagious to the people around you. Uh, Let that spill out more and more. This gives God glory. Let's go ahead and pray. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today just acknowledging one, how good you are. So often the script that rolls through our mind about you and what you want to do in us, we get it wrong. And we think that somehow it will take away from our joy and our delight and the fullness of life. But you have come. You've promised life that we would know it and that we would know it abundantly. Would you help us resist the temptations and the schemes of, of the devil? Would you help us to push aside uh, the corrupt desires of our flesh. And certainly, God, would you help us to be more savvy at recognizing the lies of the cultural influences of this world? Help us to take you at your word. Help us, indeed, to taste and see that you are good. We ask that you would forgive us for the many ways in which we make other things our hope and our satisfaction. Would you help us to be better at identifying those in our lives? would you help us Lord i pray especially for those who are followers of Christ would you help us help us to come daily to the waters help us indeed to be satisfied in you and let that let that increasingly be on display before those in our lives our family and our neighborhood and our workplace let them see the fruit of your great power at work in us. Let them see uh, just that the result uh, of us taking you at your word, that you would be glorified and that they would be drawn to you as well. God, we know we can't do this on our own strength, but we rejoice that you have exerted your strength on our behalf. Help us, help us, Lord, to follow after you hard. We give you this day. We give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.